Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, a national columnist for NBC Sports. With me is Michael Shore, executive producer for Parks and Recreation and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and, and any other shows since we started? Anything Apparently else? Apparently, no. That's the, you, got, you got both of them. <laughs> I got both of them. That's great. And uh, we have not done this podcast in uh, a year. It has been almost exact. Well, we've done them. Just haven't they haven't recorded, so we just kind of kept them to ourselves. But but we have not done one in a year, so it's great to have you back. It's great to great to start this thing up again. Yeah, it's very exciting. And just to be clear, uh, no one asked for this, right? <laughs> this is <laughs> not, not like, a soul. That's the normally what you say is like backed by popular demand or something. <laughs> in this case, it's like no one requested this at all. No, it's no. Pure, it's just pure, uh, unadulterated hubris on our part that we're <laughs> even uh, beginning this again. Yeah, I, I, we've actually had people request it never come back, and then yeah. we're th- we're thrilled that it was gone. And and I just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the occasional tweet that just like thank you, you know another podcast, uh, another day without the podcast, great, right? You know, but so yeah, we're doing this again for ourselves, and nobody's going to listen, but. We're gonna we we've 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 revamped the podcast with with new equipment, uh, which I'm sure you can tell uh, tell the audio difference for, for this. If you're hearing this, you can tell the audio difference because it's recorded, and uh, and uh, and and a, a shorter format, right? We're gonna we're gonna shorten the format. Is that yes? Is, is the, that the previous idea? podcast averaged like it was like the length of Avatar. That's how <laughs> <laughs> we tried to keep it under the length of Avatar, and now. Uh, we're going. We're going for like basically thirty-five minutes, right? 30, I think thirty-five to forty-five. Thirty thirty-five to forty-five minutes is the idea, and uh, we're already killing it. By the way, just by wasting our time with all of this. Uh, you, know, stuff. you can just edit all this stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like I have that ability to edit stuff out. Like that's like that's a possibility. So, so what we're doing is we're going to do uh, each of us get one issue, and then off to the draft. And and I think we both agree the draft need to be. Quite a bit more. Um, I wouldn't say serious, but but not as silly as they used to be. Is that? Yeah, would you agree? Well, with that? A little more like like socially relevant, or sort of like um, just like important. I guess the word is important. important. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So so I think we're in good shape. So we're going to start off with 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 our issues, and and uh, I get the first issue, and and we should say that we have not told each other the issues. So this is right. these are big surprises. So my issue is obviously going to be built around the Red Sox. We have not talked in in uh, in a year, so we have not had a chance to hear your views on uh, on your Red Sox winning the World Series. Congratulations! That has to Thank be a, a great great thing for you. My issue, though, and I want to hear kind of just you talk about your Red Sox enjoyment. But my issue is this: okay, so Game Six of of the World Series, very exciting. They're in Boston, clinching, and suddenly. They're like showing photos on TV of the 1918 Red Sox, and they're interviewing like old people about this. And yeah. I'm watching this, and I'm thinking to myself, and I, I'm pretty sure the Red Sox have won a couple of World Series like in the last few years, but they're still interviewing all these people, and suddenly they make the point that this is the first time the Red Sox have clinched at home since 1918. Yeah. So, so, so issue issue number one, that's not a thing. Uh, am I right? That is absolutely not a thing. You're 100 percent correct. That was the uh, the Fox 
sports team finding, trying to recapture the glory of 2004 uh, in terms of like a narrative. And I, every Red Sox fan I knew that I spoke <laughs> with had the same feeling, which was, who cares? I mean, like, not <laughs> completely who cares. Like, oh, that's neat if it happens. But really, who cares? Like, nobody, nobody felt in any way, shape, or form that there was some kind of missing piece of, the, of our soul because they hadn't clinched in Boston. That's absurd. Yeah. Well, as a Clevelander who has never had a championship team of any kind in any sport in my entire life. Yeah. That's, it's insulting. It's ins- it's, I mean, it's like, you know, Boston, I love Boston. It's a great, great city. Many of my friends, like yourself, are huge Boston fans, and I'm happy for you when your team wins. But it, it has been a little bit of a bounty, would you, you would agree? It's been a little, a little bit good in Boston with sports <laughs> over the last, you know, 15 years. Now I got to see, like, the old guy up there interviewed. Oh, my gosh, 70 years, and I've never gotten to see them clinch at home. A world that's I, I found I found that a little bit a little bit insulting. Yeah, that was that was pretty much nonsense. I mean the <laughs> and, and again, like I don't know. I think that was a a television generated narrative. I don't think anybody. I mean, I, I didn't even re, I like it hadn't really occurred to me until they started talking about it. Like, I mean, I guess I understood they clinched in. Everybody remembers them clinching in in St. Louis, and then they clinched in Colorado three years later, but I mean, for God's sake, who cares? And, and, and when you say a little bit of a bounty, I mean, this has been the craziest run. One of the craziest runs any city has ever had. It's three in 10 year, whatever it is now, 13 years, 12 years. It's three world series, three super bowls, an NBA championship and a Stanley cup. I mean, that's ridiculous. That'll never, I'll never get anything close to that, nor should anyone ever aspire to get anything (laughs) close to that ever. So I think it's like there isn't much left, right? It's like they, you know, this first time a, a Red Sox team has ever has ever won the World Series with a guy from Hawaii on the roster. I mean, they, you could do that forever. This was not anything that anyone really cared about, except they were just trying to find a way to sort of hype the, the, the you know. And I think Joe Buck's call actually at the end – uh, when they actually clinched, I think his call was like about the fact that it Boston yeah. hadn't seen the. And he's like, "Oh boy, who cares?" <laughs> <laughs> well, and 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 it should it should be noted for the record that the reason the Red Sox have never clinched at home is because they swept the last two World Series, right? I mean, it's yeah. like it's 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 the the reason they haven't clinched at home is because they decided we were just going to like absolutely make this could not possibly be easier for you as a Red Sox fan. We're not going to put you through even like one inning of nervousness throughout the entire World Series. We're just, it's just sweep, just yours, yeah. you, you know. So I mean, so, in 04, I believe they didn't, they were never behind for a single no. inning. In any, no, they were behind in one game. inning in, in 07. One yeah, so, so I mean, it, it, just put it this way. If they had swept again and clinched in St. Louis again, everyone would have been fine with it. <laughs> no one would have thought like, oh, something's missing here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought. All right, but but, but please do do say now where where does this one rank in the six thousand championships that your teams have won in the last thirteen years? Uh, <laughs> where where does this one rank? Well, you know, look, I the after two thousand eleven and two thousand twelve. Two thousand eleven was a terrible collapse in September. Sure. Two thousand twelve was a wash from the beginning. So it was, I predicted, I think, with you uh, uh, before the season, maybe 85 wins challenging for a playoff spot. 
and I, it was a it was a complete surprise, which is always the best kind of the best kind of championship is one that you don't expect going into the year or even think that your team really has a chance. And the team I found very likable, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching them all year. I was really just happy. I remember in July just feeling like I'm so happy that I have baseball still because 2012 they were out of the race by the end of April. Like it wasn't, sure. and, there, and it was very clear that there was no chance for them to, to contend in any meaningful way. So just the fact that I could enjoy the team and felt like the team was in competition for, you know, deep into the year, that was plenty. It, it feels like, really feels like icing on the cake or gravy or whatever you want the metaphor to be. <laughs> um, and I found the team very enjoyable to watch. And it was, a, it was one of those teams that felt like it was a team effort. It felt like they had bonded in some way it felt like they were they were never out of games they you know they beat three of the best pitching staffs uh of the last few years really they beat a incredibly good pitching staff they beat the rays the tigers and the cardinals back to back to back and well really actually david ortiz beat those <laughs> pitching staffs. the rest of the team uh sort of hung in there as best they could and so it was, I mean, it's amazing having your team win a championship in any sport is a, an amazing feeling. And, it, and it's something that I don't think I, you know, any, any Red Sox fan I know doesn't take it for granted. And, and as we realize how incredibly lucky the city has been and the team has been to, you know, have this crazy run that they've been on. Uh, did you like the beard thing? Did you, did you get into I the beard? I didn't mind the beard thing. I, I kind of like the beards. I don't know. I mean, they looked terrible. They all, they all looked <laughs> awful. There wasn't one of those guys. I mean, I, I kind of like that Ortiz kind of just kept it like, I'm just going to have my normal beard and you guys can do whatever you want. That was seemed to be his attitude. There were a couple guys like that. It really was like David Ortiz and like a bluegrass band. I mean, it just felt like everybody else looked the same. I honestly could not tell the difference between like – Johnny Gomes and and Mike Napoli, they were like the same. I mean, it was like... yeah, Gomes and Napoli and Salta Lamacchia too. They they were they were pretty scruffy there at the end. They looked like Moe's. I mean, I I thought you would pull out the <laughs> pull out the neck beard just for for the enjoyment of this thing. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it never uh, happened. Well, you know, it, it, you you talk about going into a year without expectations. I do that every year with 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 the teams, and they sure. just never win. So, I mean, I did, that winning part must be the really the better part. I mean, going in with no expectations, uh, pretty easy. Although, it's, I'd have to say that this was probably the first Red Sox team that people went in with very, very low expectations in, in a very long time. I mean, it, obviously last year, them being so bad, that was the first time that had happened in 15, 20, 2500 years, whatever. But, yeah, yeah so, that, so that had to – that did – I thought that made them likable in a way that if if they hadn't had the last two years, I thought the Red Sox were beginning to creep up on that on that Yankee thing where people were you know outside of Boston were really not liking them, but then they they had this two year collapse of joy and 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 so they came back up and they're wearing beards and I think everybody did kind of like them. Yeah, it's hard for a team with like a hundred and seventy million dollar payroll to be considered underdogs in any yeah. way. But after those last two years, there was a, a little bit of a sense that despite the giant payroll and despite all the, you know, they get a massive amount of national media attention for obvious reasons. But they did feel like, oh, those guys, you know, the Rays seemed like they were going to be really great and strong. And the Yankees, even though they had so many problems, are always the Yankees. And the Tigers have, like, you know, the best pitcher in the American League. 
and then it turns out like three of the other best pitchers in the American <laughs> League, and you know, and Cabrera and uh, Prince Fielder and all that. I mean, it, they didn't seem like at all like they were uh, a real contender, even into the playoffs, even once they, you know, I mean, it, there was a moment where you realized, oh, this isn't a fluke. You know, when you looked at their run differential, when you looked at their pitching staff and their bullpen, you know, and they, you know, the weirdly the best thing that ever happened to the team was that their the top two choices for closer went down with injuries and Uehara yeah. emerged, you know, it, and, but you kept, it, it felt like a fluke for a really long time. And then suddenly it clicked in and you just looked at, if you, you know, you, you erase the names of the players and the name of the team and you stop thinking about what happened last year and you just look at the numbers and the numbers suggest, you know, this is not a fluke. This is a really good team. This team just, they score a lot of runs. They don't allow a lot of runs. They've got good starters. You know, they've got, they don't, it's like everybody on the team was like a B or a B plus. And no one was, you know, there were very few like A plus giant superstars, but everyone on the team was solid. Everybody did something meaningful to contribute to the team. And at a certain point, it was like, oh, wait, they can, they have a real shot at this thing. It was, it was pretty amazing. I mean, you know, the thing about teams like that, though, is that next year, it's just as likely that they are a 500 team next year. You know, a couple key injuries and Uehara comes back to earth and, and, you know, Ortiz suddenly starts showing his age and suddenly the team kind of disappears. But, you know, so be it. They, they have already provided so much more uh, entertainment and so much more winning than any fan of the team could have possibly expected. So it was, it was pretty amazing. It's the greatest feeling as a fan. Yeah, it really was pretty cool. I mean, and the one thing that I do like about, about that Red Sox team in general is if you had the Red Sox and the, and the Tigers and you, and you put them together into one team and you had a draft, uh, like the, the highest, you, you would probably, the, the top Red Sox guy would probably be like the fifth or sixth pick, right? I mean, you would, yeah. you would of course take Cabrera and you would of course take Verlander and you would, you would take Scherzer this year. And, and then you start talking about, you know, Sanchez and, and Prince Fielder. I mean, individually that Tigers team had a lot of great players and the Red Sox, you know, they have certainly great players, and you know, when, when you talk about Pedroia and, and 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 Poppy and all that, but but they didn't have the same kinds of years. But you were right, one through nine, they were fantastic, and you you just can't say enough about Uehara. I mean, the, the guy had the greatest season ever for a closer, you know, and and he was yep. their third choice. He was their third choice to be the closer. It's pretty amazing. He allowed a roughly one base runner every two complete games <laughs> that he pitched. I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, you know, he he, he throws 89-ish, you know. It's it's very – it's just – it. that's part of why it felt like a fluke. It's because you, you watched him pitch, and you looked at the radar gun, and it was like, oh, this is smoke and mirrors. The guy's just having a fluky reliever season. And granted, he doesn't walk anyone. You know, he had whatever, 10 walks all year. Uh, and you know, it was ten to one strikeout to walk ratio, but it did. It it felt every game like suddenly, like oh, they'll catch up to him. And in the playoffs, people did start catching up to him a little bit. Like he, even though he had a phenomenal playoffs, you know, season, he gave up a home run, which he which he essentially never did. And he, you know, it looked like oh, he's running out of gas. And I think if that series is a you know a best of eleven or something, I think it's it's highly possible the Cardinals win or something. But I don't know. It, it 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 was just a kind of a magical year, and it's now a team that has provided three pretty magical years over the course of a decade, and that just doesn't happen very often. And uh, again, I just I I feel like I always need publicly I always need to talk about how lucky I feel because the Red Sox 
have the you know top five payroll and they get all this attention and everything and and I think there's a perception that Red Sox fans are now the well like Yankee fans were in in 2000 or something but I just would like everyone to know that we consider ourselves to be incredibly fortunate and very lucky and we don't take any of this stuff for granted well, I don't know. think I don't think we're looking for for you to just say you don't take it for granted I think we're looking for a direct apology from you actually <laughs> you know what I'll offer one I'm very sorry I really am I think it's it's no team deserves this much uh, uh, success over this short a period of time. It's really uh, it's it's a one in a million thing. Yeah, I have a five year old son who's a, a burgeoning Red Sox fan, and I wish that he were eleven instead of five because I don't. <laughs> it might be a very 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 long time before anything like this happens again, and I don't. He's not going to remember any of this stuff. So it's pretty great, pretty great. Okay, so time for your your issue. So this week. Uh, or I guess it was a couple weeks ago now, Major League Baseball announces it's finally only only 20 years after high definition television and TiVo allowed everyone to see every mistake that has is made in every single sporting contest. They're finally expanding replay, right? So the the details are a little fuzzy to me. It's like every, managers have two challenges. It's sort of like the football thing. If you if your challenge is successful, you get another one. You have to notify people before the next pitch, sort of like the football system, the pro football system. But then there's this other aspect where all the reviews are being done in New York and radioed to the umpires, which I do not understand why they don't just have a fifth replay ump in the booth looking at the same television replays that we're all looking at. Um, but the point is it's finally happening. It's finally They're finally instituting a real replay system that isn't just for home runs. So... My question is, in general, why did this take so long, A, and B, how much more should there be? What changes would you make to the replay system? And C, what, what sport is the, what's, the, what's the gold standard? Which sport is the gold standard now for the use of technology and replay in getting calls right? Okay. These are, these are great. These are great. So we're starting with why it took so long, right? Is it, we'll, yeah. we'll start with that one. I think that's that's a baseball thing, right? Baseball just doesn't like change, doesn't want to change, isn't interested in change. I, I think part of that comes from being the number one sport for so long, owning American sports, you know, for seventy five years or whatever, and and you just instead of thinking about okay, well, how can we continue to be the dominant sport? You basically just stay the same and and figure everybody else needs to catch up to you. And then once football does catch up and once football passes you, you start thinking, well, I want to go backward. I don't want to go forward. I want to go back to the days before football was dominant. And so you, it's to me, that's a baseball mindset, I think. And, and that's why we kept hearing, and you, know, you and I would, would rant about this all the time, that whole nonsense about how not only is replay not for baseball, but that somehow we want mistakes in the yeah. game, right? We want human umpires, you know, hey, players make mistakes, so umpires should make mistakes, which was always the dumbest argument I, I think I'd ever yeah. heard. This was, was just stupidity. Um, but that was, I think, why it took so long. I mean, would, do you agree with that? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think Bud Selig specifically is, you know, in his mid to late 70s. And if I think if the commissioner of baseball uh, starting in, you know, around in the late 90s, uh, had been 42, things might have been a little different. But I think a guy who's been in the game as long as he has and has that mindset from the olden days, 
I think it's probably you're probably less likely to have you know massive sea changes in the way the game is played and run and officiated and all that stuff. But it, it's it's been extremely frustrating to continue to watch long into you know the 2013 season that there are these very basic mistakes made and that there's no there's no way to argue them. And you know the umpiring crew, I thought in the playoffs did a really good job there were a couple moments in a, in a couple different games where there was a blown call and the umps got together and uh and made the right call and the replays show that when they did that it was the right call there was the the ball at second base that was dropped yeah. that was clearly and the uh, the announcers just went on and on and on about how wonderful this was right that the the umpires got together god it's so wonderful to see that it's so incredible and so great kudos to them and it was great i'm glad they got the call right but it's like how this is insane you're praising the umpiring crew for talking about whether the call was right it just makes you realize how for a hundred years the system has been so terrible that it was considered sort of anti-baseball for the umpires to talk to each other as if they're on different teams somehow as if the second base ump and the first base ump aren't on the same team like they would never like it you realize how many times an ump blew a call in the course of baseball history and the other umps saw that that ump blew the call and just said nothing that's a terrible system like there it's so crazy why do you have a crew chief at all if you if there isn't some kind of like you know uh, oversight system among the umpires i mean hopefully again this this thing, this new replay system will take some of the pressure off of them because they know that if they do something, if they accidentally call a runner safe at first and a perfect game ends after eight and two-thirds innings and shouldn't have ended, that pitcher will get their perfect game. Like, that's a wonderful, <laughs> that's a wonderful thing. And it, it drives me crazy that it took this long, but I'm, I guess I'm happy that it's finally happening. But the other the part B is part B of the question is how much more should there be? If you were in charge of the system, what would you do? Well, in, in, there are two different things. I mean, by the way, one thing I, I just wanted to add to that is one of my favorite parts of the umpires getting it right was the arguments afterward where they were saying, okay, well, they got it right, but they shouldn't have talked to each other. I mean, they, yeah, they don't, well, they, that they, was insane. They, <laughs> that was the Mike Matheny thing in the, pre, in the post-game press conference where he right. was still griping about it. And it's like, hey, man, we all watched it. You, we know it was the right call. You can't gripe about a correct call. You just can't. That's crazy. And he seemed, he seemed to be making the argument that it was uncool of the umpires to have gotten together and discussed that and overturned it. And I know he's upset because his team lost the game. It was a key moment in the game. And at some level, he's defending his player. But he, I, it was insane to me. Like he, The only possible response to that is like, well, they got the call right, so that's the end of the story. Like, you can't. You, he, he was arguing that something that a travesty should have occurred, which is yes. a very strange position to take. Well, but that was baseball's position. His argument really was, "Hey, they got it wrong. Sorry, that's it. We, they, they're, right. You're not allowed to correct that. You know, you're not allowed to fix that." And that was kind of the baseball way for years. And I, I do think this will change. So I'm happy this is coming in. What I would do there, there are a couple of things specifically. One is I hate I hate the challenge thing. I hate it. It, it doesn't – it works in football because basically every play is potentially a mess up by – because it's – because the sport is impossible to officiate. It's, right. It's too difficult to officiate. So I get it. You know, you have to limit this thing. 
baseball, get every call right. There, there, there's no reason to not get every single call right. There are not that many controversial calls in baseball. If you, if you take ball strikeout of, of, the, of the equation, which is what they've done, how many times a game is it even possible to get something? I mean, there's only so many balls put into play. There's only so many, you know, close calls. Uh, to me, it's like if, if the call is wrong, somebody in a replay booth should be able to just go, buzz, no, nope, got it, maybe wrong, let's review it for the next 30 seconds and determine if it's right. So I hate the, I hate the, 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 uh, the idea that, that managers should, should have to challenge it. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't have that. But, but my second thought on it is, and I think this is inevitable, we're, we're going to some sort of blend, I think, of umpires making the ball strike call and some version of pitch FX making this ball strike call. Because I, I think it's, it's ridiculous the way it is. And now we are getting to the point where, where every television network, whether it's TNT or Fox or, or the various uh, local networks, everybody's got a box and they show you the ball whether it's in the strike zone box or outside of the strike zone box, once th- that's it, that that's out of that. That's that that thing is 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 loose. I mean, it's yeah. it's out there. And so I think I don't know that it ever comes to the point where you have robots actually making the call. Um, but I do think that you need to alert the umpire with some sort of signal, a beep in his ear or something, saying, "Okay, according to pitch FX, that's a strike." Now you you make the call, but you've got to give him some leeway because I mean, there was some bad, bad ball strike calls and during the playoffs. And I just don't, I just, I think that's going to the same place that replay is going. I mean, you can't keep consistently arguing with, with technology and, and hope to, to, to win. I, I think eventually everybody's going to want a uniform strike zone. And I think that the baseball needs that. Yeah. I mean, th- at some point, in the future we'll be watching a football game and there will be a scrum there will be a one yard dive and there will be a scrum and you won't be able to see what's going on and then the entire end zone will light up and they'll (laughs) it'll light up because there will be a there will be chips at on the ring of the ball and at each end of the ball and there will be a line a laser going across the very front edge of the goal line and one of those chips will pass the vertical plane made by the front line of the goal line and the entire uh the entire end zone will light up and then the um the refs will signal touchdown and there won't be any question about it and and you know i think when those things can be done sort of easily and effortlessly without a kind of constant you know second guessing or you know like the blend of the of the human element as it's called and the technological element is where it gets tricky because if you had that system of pitch fx calling strikes and an umpire actually behind the plate, then you would have a weird situation where the umpire would be like, I think, uh, well, let me check. I, I got, you know, it would take six seconds for every call to make. So I don't know. I mean, we'll see. The, the craziest version of this to me in any sport is that soccer is just now doing this. Yes. There's basically one thing that can happen. There's two things that can happen in soccer. One of them is a ball goes past a line and it's a goal. And right. the fact that they don't have dedicated referees who literally just stand right at the goal line and, and look at it and to see if the ball ever crosses it and then signal a goal is insane to me. That is truly one of the craziest things in the world, that there isn't <laughs> a referee stationed at each goal line. And the second thing that happens in soccer is that somebody's offsides. Offside. And when the 
when the uh, you're asking the side judges, the referees on the side, to be in two places at once. You're asking them to to look at both where the ball is being kicked and the front, the the furthest person towards the goal at the same time, which is impossible. It's amazing to me how often they get it right. It seems like a thing you could never get right, and they often, very, very often get it right. But why there aren't more referees in soccer, a game with constant motion and only two really two possible things that can happen, <laughs> is, is, is beyond me. And, and I, they're, finally, they're finally doing it this year. You know, the World Cup is going to have it now, and they're, they're yes. testing it for the, uh, for the Club Cup, and they're, they're doing all sorts of advances now. But it's, it's remarkable. That I think soccer might even be more entrenched in the sort of tradition than baseball is, which is saying something. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, wouldn't you say that even in soccer, you know, the hand of God goal is like even more famous than like uh, you know the the 1985 World Series. I mean, it's it's yeah, it, it's I mean, it's really a part of of the sport. If soccer cared that much, though, I, I will say this: if soccer cared that much about getting calls right, they would not just have one guy running up and down the field making every single foul call, right? I mean, they would they'd have. They'd have two at least, you know. At they, least they two, not... yeah. One one <laughs> per half of the field would be a smart move. I mean, those yeah. guys run like twelve miles or something over the course of a game, and and it's and you know, there's obviously like you don't want to you don't want to like involve them too much in the action. It, you know, like they're literally in the middle of the play in the in the same way that you know a back judges or something in foot in American football, but at the same time. It's just it's utter nonsense that they don't have more <laughs> officials on those on the pitch, just making sure that the. I mean, again, like there are time in the World Cup, there are moments where the ball very clearly goes past the line, and that's and this is a game where one goal is often the only the only scoring that happens. <laughs> many, many, many soccer games are one nothing, and so the like the importance of an individual goal is bigger than any scoring in any other sport pretty sure. obviously and the fact that they don't have they don't make every one of those calls right is is a complete insanity to me so yeah well it's it, they finally got that technology that goal scoring technology but but i think that's a that's a great point i think getting it right or getting it at least right enough that that you you maintain some level of legitimacy you look at the different sports. I mean, there's 16,000 officials in the NFL, right? I mean, there's like, there's, there's a guy everywhere. Like there's somebody in, in, in everywhere. And then, and then of course, as, as we have talked about, then they measure the thing with a chain, but, but still, yeah. <laughs> but still there are guys everywhere in foot in baseball. Uh, you got the four, the four umpires. And then during the playoffs for reasons really kind of bizarre, you suddenly put people down the left and right field foul thing, which is, which is amazing that there's the guy that's their only job, and they still get yeah. it wrong fairly yeah. often. Um, that's a hard. That's a hard job. That fair foul call. That's that's really hard. Um, yeah. And then soccer, they have one. I mean, they've got the two guys, you know, on the sideline, but they've got the one guy on the pitch, and that's it. That's his whole job. So, so really, getting if if they really wanted to get like every single call right, but but soccer to me is is amazing anyway. Like. Soccer, the end of, of a soccer match is basically whenever the guy decides it's over. There's <laughs> there's no clock whatsoever. He's like he looks at his watch, like eh, and they never stop it. You will notice when nothing is when something is going on. Like if somebody's yeah. threatening to score a goal, they don't blow the whistle and go, yeah, sorry, you didn't get that off in time. They just when whenever the guy boots it down the field, 
while the ball's in the air is usually when they they call it. Um, so it's clearly supposed to be. I, I think soccer is supposed to be you know refereed and umpired in sort of a more I don't know like generic way, like in a in a larger. You're supposed to you're supposed to be part of the narrative rather than like the the exact you know one inch difference between a first down. They don't do that in soccer. Right. It's the, it's sort of the opposite of like basketball where, you know, it's down to a 10th of a second and there's a light that goes on when the (laughs) clock hits zero. And it's sort of, yeah, soccer uh, officiating in terms of timekeeping, especially is a little more like poetic or sort of, yeah, it's like literary. There's like a literary (laughs) feel to it. You know, it's, 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 it's very cool. I I think it's very cool. All right. We are going way over time. So uh, as you knew, we would. Um, So we, so we need to get to our draft. And uh, and a very exciting draft uh, this week. We are drafting nicknames, sports nicknames, right. and uh, and we didn't really discuss this. So all we know is we're drafting nicknames. So we didn't discuss if we're drafting player nicknames or if we're drafting like nicknames of events, like like Miracle on Ice. I mean, I we oh, didn't really dis- we didn't discuss that. So I took uh, it to mean I took it to mean player nicknames. That's I did I, I, think... I did I did too. Okay. So we're I mean, on the same that page. Could have been, it could have been even messier and more <laughs> meaningless draft if we had been drafting two entirely different sets of things. Or we could have nicknamed, like, one of us could have thought, oh, we mean team nicknames. So, like, you would say, like, Falcons. <laughs> it would be, like, your first pick. So, so we are taking sports nicknames, uh, and I believe I have the first pick in the draft yes. uh, to this time around. So I will start off super simple. Uh, I love the nicknames that actually become the guy's or, or woman's uh, name. I like sure. the nicknames that are so overpowering, they literally become the name. So uh, my first pick, to me, pretty clear, Magic Johnson. I, I think he, he's, he's – people call go up to him, like when he's doing like the broadcast or when he's they're doing interviews for him as the owner of the Dodgers, and they're like, hey, Magic, tell me what you – his name is Magic now. Like, that's it. There's no Irvin. There's no anything else. He's so good. He was such a good player who was so fun to watch and did so many things that were, like, miraculous that we just call him Magic. That's it. I mean, that's yeah. that to me, I mean, no it, name I think also, is, is that ingrained. It's also a, a nickname that perfectly describes his game. Yes. Like, he looked like he was Magic. <laughs> like, you know, like... <laughs> It it looked like he was a wizard who could do things that no one else could do. Uh, it's a, it's probably the best nickname. It was going to yeah. be my number one choice if you didn't take it. It was it's probably the best one of all time. It's also it's also just incredibly specific and simple. It's it's just great. It's you know it's perfect. It's a perfect it, it sports is. nickname. I was struck by the way just before I go into my pick how many of the best nicknames. Uh, in sport, in my opinion, are from the world of basketball. I feel like basketball has lacked the field in terms of, of great nicknames for athletes. But anyway, side note. Um, all right, so you pick Magic. I'm going to go uh, not out of the box, but maybe a little bit unexpected. I'm going with Sweetness, Walter Ooh, Payton. good one. So, and to me, it's, it's not as iconic as Magic. Like Magic, you can't beat Magic. But Sweetness for a football player is so wonderful to me. Like I know he's a running back and he's, he's not like a middle linebacker or whatever, but I always loved when I was a kid, I just loved the fact that he, that a, a pro football player 
these huge tough dudes, you know, uh, and the, uh, had and the, one of them, maybe the best running back, you know, of his, certainly of his era, maybe arguably, you know, top five all time, had a nickname, Sweetness. That was, it's just so, there's something so wonderful about that to me. Um, I don't know. I, I just love it. I think that's it's, it's, it is, and you know, you would hear him talk and it was always so, so striking how gently he talked and he had a little bit of a high voice and, and, yeah. uh, and, but he was, he was like sweetness and, and sweetness took on this different meaning with him. That, that was what was so cool about it is that he wasn't just this amazing football. And I, I don't think there's any argument. He's one of the five best, uh, ever. He might be the, I don't know that there's much of an argument that he's not one of the five best football players, period, ever. I yeah. mean, when you look at everything he did as a runner, as a blocker, as – I mean, he was their emergency quarterback. He was everything. And he would practice by running, like, these ridiculous – like, up hills and all this. And then at the end, it was just sweetness. And not only – not only did that nickname fit, it, like, it's it's stuck. It's like everybody yeah. called him sweetness. That's That, to me, is the other thing about a nickname is that, you know, some nicknames are like – I'm not calling that. I mean, that's not, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't fit at all. But sweetness, despite the fact that there was no reason that it should be his nickname, it was, it was perfect for him. So I, I, I applaud that pick. That's a, that's a fantastic pick. It's not as good as magic, but it's a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic pick. So I'm going to my second pick and I'm going to go old school um, a little bit. And, uh, and I'm going with cool Papa Bell as my, as my second pick. Uh, cool Papa Bell, of course, a great uh, Negro Leagues baseball player, fastest man in the history of the game, uh, so fast that uh, Jesse Owens wouldn't even race him when, when he would go to, like, he would come to, to games and he would race the players, like, as a, as a part, of the, part of the show. And, but he wouldn't ever race Cool Papa Bell, uh, to give you an idea how fast he was. Uh, so fast, you know, all the old, you know, so fast you could turn out the lights, get under the covers before the, before the lights went out and mm-hmm. all of those things, you know, super duper fast. And I don't even know precisely what that nickname means. I mean, he was cool Papa I and mean, everybody called him. He was obviously it represented how cool he was and all that. Uh, but cool Papa Bell, if you had to like name a Negro Leagues player and to like you were doing a fictional account of a Negro Leagues player, you would call him Cool Papa Bell. That's like the greatest name I could ever imagine. So yeah. second pick, Cool Papa Bell. It's a great pick. I, I mean, I, I you know it's great because when I was a kid, I was first learning about baseball. It was like one of the first things I learned was that there was a guy <laughs> named Cool Papa Bell. And <laughs> just like it's there's something about that collection of syllables that just is very like it hits your brain in such a great way. Um, I'm going a different way. Second pick, I'm going with the great one for Gretzky, ah. uh, simply because he's so much better than everybody else who's ever played <laughs> hockey. Like, you know, I, I believe that if he had never scored a goal, he'd still be the all-time point leader, all-time points leader. Is that true? I think that's true. I think that is true. That, and more assists than, than anybody else had points. Points, yeah, I think and that's right. He, he was so good that it was like, what should we call him? Well, we'll just call him the great one. He's the great one. <laughs> Out of all the hockey players that have ever played the game, he's the great one. Like, it's so, it's so declarative and definitive uh, that it, it just, like, it's, it's a rare nickname that just is like, yes, he's the best guy ever. There's no, there's no debate. There's no question. Everyone don't, don't, you don't, it's not worth discussing. He's the great one. Other people are great. They're great. Lots of great players. He's the great one. 
Like I, there's something that I, I just like how kind of official it sounds like it was awarded to him by a, like a supercomputer that like analyzed all of the hockey players who have ever played hockey. And it's like, okay, well this guy, clearly he's the great one. <laughs> it's like, it's like being knighted. It's like you, you, yeah. this is the great one. You're no, no, this, and there only could be one. Here's, here's a question for you. I'm not, I love, I love hockey. I enjoy it very much. I don't, I sure. don't know very much about it. And, and, uh, uh, I don't, uh, follow it. Uh, as, I, I try to follow it closely, but it's, it's, it's not as natural for me. I don't. I hear people argue all the time. He wasn't the greatest player ever, and and you'll hear you know Bobby Orr, or you'll hear Mario Lemieux, or you'll hear other people, and you'll hear that Gretzky didn't hit people or whatever. This is not. This is like this is like the Red Sox thing. That's not a thing, is it? I mean, right? There's he's the greatest player ever, isn't he? I I, I don't I don't know nearly enough about hockey to answer definitively at all, and I'm sure there are good arguments for one player or another. You know, in the same way that, you know, you could say Babe Ruth is the greatest baseball player of all time. And you could say, well, no, he didn't play against African-Americans or right, right. or anyone from any other country or anything. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's gray areas to the debate about about hockey in terms of the eras, the the rules, whatever. I don't know. I, I to me, he's <laughs> there's no I, I can't imagine making that argument. I'm sure there's people listening right now. Uh, six of the 14 people who are listening right now, I'm sure, are huge hockey fans, and they have some kind of argument why it's whoever or whoever or whoever. But um, as far as the nicknames go, I, I think that's that that's the it's pretty definitive to me. Well, that's and that's how you respond when they say, "No, no, it's Bobby Orr." You say, "Yeah, but Gretzky was the great one." That's it. That's yeah. there. You can you can't be you can't be better than that. It's a very so, scientific argument. Like, <laughs> no, look at well, name. because we're probably <laughs> wrong. He probably wasn't the greatest hockey player ever, but he was in the sense of he was so much better at those two things: passing, scoring. He was so much yeah. better than anybody ever that that makes him the best. I mean, that's not fair, and it's probably not right, and it's probably precisely the why Miguel Cabrera wins the MVP over the Mike Trout argument and right. should be embarrassed <laughs> to be even making it. But it's, but it's, I'm sorry. That's I, I, I wish I knew more about, it. I guess I need to study more about hockey. Cause like I say, the people who really know the sport, I hear all the time. He, he wasn't the best ever, but great, great nickname. Excellent. Excellent choice. I'm going with my third pick. I'm going with mean Joe green just because man, you don't get simpler than that. That's it. He's just mean Joe green. That's there's no there's well what's the nick no no his nickname is mean he's mean that's it yeah there's we're not trying to we're not trying to say anything else we're not there's nothing there's nothing hidden there's no there's no agendas we're not like oh no no it's you see it the nickname a lot of nicknames need explanations you know I mean even really good nicknames need explanations nothing there's nothing else there he's just. No, he's mean. Mean Joe Green. Yes, that's it. Mean Joe Green was definitely on my list as a possibility, along with another one that fits the same definition, which is Ed Too Tall Jones. <laughs> <laughs> he was too tall. That was his his problem was that he was too tall. That was the whole uh, thing. It was just too tall. For my third pick, I'm going with probably the funniest, the funniest nickname you can possibly have, given to him, I believe, by himself, which is of course Chocolate Thunder. Daryl Dawkins. <laughs> so Chalk and Thunder, first of all, it's hilarious. It's a hilarious <laughs> combination of two words. Um, and I believe he gave himself the nickname, which is even better. 
But yes. the the thing about Daryl Dawkins was he was a deeply funny guy. He was a strange guy, but he uh, he was he claimed to be an alien. He he <laughs> declared publicly that he was an alien, that he hailed from a planet called Planet Lovedron. Right. And he said that when the season was over, he went back to Planet Lovedron, and he practiced something he called interplanetary functionship. And <laughs> it's the most wonderful combination of two words that I can imagine existing in the English language. Uh, and I st- when, I th- when I hear it today, I still, it still makes me laugh. I, that, it's just such a wonderful, it's so like, it's such, such a great nickname. It's just, it's like crunchy. It's so good. <laughs> like every time I hear it, I laugh and I think about uh, how wonderful it is. So that was, that was a great pick. The, uh, the um, Chocolate Thunder is uh, so good. That's, he was on my list. I had him, I'm really upset, actually, that I didn't get Chocolate <laughs> Thunder now that I'm looking at it. So, all right, so my fourth pick. Um, I, I I didn't really know if I wanted to go in this direction, but I think I do. Um, I want to go with a, with a category that I want to call, I guess, um, I don't know, malformations or something? A category, basically, of where we just make nicknames out of people's, like, certain bodily, you know, parts sure. that don't work. Um, and I'm going to go with no neck Williams. Um, just to me, I mean, there, it, it was, it's really, really close between three finger Brown and no neck Williams. I don't want to take away three finger Brown from you, but to me, it was like, Hey, you have three fingers. And, and to me, that's like, that's your nickname from now on the guy, at least three finger Brown had a situation where he clearly, that was, you know, he, he was in a horrible accident and had three fingers. <laughs> No neck, Williams. Somebody had to like say you have no neck, man. I mean, seriously, you have no neck, and we're gonna just call you that. And not only are we gonna call you that, but everybody is gonna call you that from now yeah. on. And it was accepted. It was. I mean, it was like when people would write about him in in the paper, it would be no neck, Williams. They, I had a um, there's I had a, a, gen, a bunch of people in the same category, and I almost went with Pudge um, for Carlton Fisk. Because Pudge is just great, but I, the, I disqualified Pudge because a number of different people have been called Pudge. Like, right? There's Carlton Fisk and Thurman Munson was called Pudge sometimes, and uh, Von Rodriguez. And I kind of feel like it can't be a, a great nickname if it applies to a, a number of different people. Um, By the way, you, you have to be as a Red Sox fan. You have to be kind of offended that they do call Devon. I am a little bit. Yeah, yeah only... I'm not gonna lie. I'm yeah, a little bit offended. <laughs> um. For my fourth pick, I'm going to go with one that's very simple and very straightforward, which is Refrigerator Perry. William, the Refrigerator <laughs> Perry. It's sort of in the same category. It's like, man, that guy looks like a refrigerator. We should call him the Refrigerator. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, it was, you know, it was at a time when there weren't guys who were as big as he was who did what he did. Uh, now there's a lot of guys who were way bigger than Refrigerator Perry was, but at the time he was an anomaly, and it was just such a it's so clunky. It's a it's a rare nickname that achieves greatness <laughs> by being clunky, but I think that Refrigerator is just a great name for a large sort of portly gentleman. But by the way, it's one of those rare nicknames that went from the status. To just people saying it. It True. was the Refrigerator Perry. Yeah. And then he just became Refrigerator Perry. Yeah. And the song, remember the song, Perry, Perry, Refrigerator? I'm not going to sing it, but there was a song. <laughs> 
And they had to get all of those vowels and all that all those syllables from refrigerator. Yeah. Into into a song. That's I, I thought that was impressive. Refrigerator Perry is a very very good choice. It, you know what? This is our best draft ever. I mean, really, if you think about it, <laughs> hasn't been a bad pick yet. Let's see um, who is the last one for you. Well, that's the it's the last one, and and I have to say, you choosing Refrigerator Perry made my choice a little bit easier because I was going to go with something similar to that. I was going to go to with Bone Crusher Smith sure. for the for the same exact reason. It's just. Right in your just no bone bone crusher. That's yeah, it. Yeah, he crushes bones. Um, that guy, but he crushes bones, so we call him Bone Crusher. And by the way, Bone Crusher Smith, do you do you remember Bone Crusher Smith when yeah. he fought Mike Tyson? Like he didn't throw like a punch the entire fight. It's yeah. like he just kept running from Tyson, and it was like your name's Bone Crusher. Yeah, his nickname and... should have been Bones Crushed. <laughs> I think that that really nothing to me describes. Just the aura of Mike Tyson, the young Mike Tyson before you know before the craziness, how scared people were. There was a guy named Bone Crusher who, for 15 rounds, was just running away from him. He yeah. was just that's how frightening that guy was. Mm. All right, but my my chip my choice is uh, Crazy Legs Hirsch, sure. uh, the, the the Hall of Fame running back. It's just it's classic Crazy Legs. The fact that somebody thought those two words belong together yeah. is really impressive. Um, plus. I mean, a truly great nickname uh, just evokes an image. And I think of Crazy Legs Hirsch, and I think not not specifically only of him, but of, of the players of that era kind of running back and forth across the field instead of actually running toward the end zone. They would, like, run back 73 yards and then run forward and then run backward, and and uh, and their legs are just kind of, like, spinning around like Roadrunner. That that to me is like he represents an era of of football that frankly it seems to me was a lot more fun because the guys were like you know five six and one hundred and twenty eight pounds and when they would hit each other nobody would get hurt I mean it would just it, would, it was a different it was and and it was always it was always fun watching like crazy like Hirsch highlights and guys like that of that era because this they would like run and they would have to break forty two tackles. Because they were slow enough that like people would catch up to them after they missed the tackle the first time. Right. So like people would miss four tackles on the same play while Crazy Legs Hirsch ran back and forth and back and forth. So <laughs> great, it's great, great nickname, Crazy Legs Hirsch. Yes, I think so. Well, I'm gonna for my last pick. I again, I think the NBA has pretty much, uh, pretty much dominates this field. And there were a bunch of there's a bunch of great two word or three word NBA nicknames that I I think are amazing. Like the answer for Iverson is incredible. Yes. The truth for Paul Pierce is incredible. The glove, Gary Payton, that's an incredible glove. name. And there's a couple other ones like the human highlight reel or the hick from French Lick or the big Aristotle for, for Shaq, which is incredible. <laughs> um, and I love all those. But the the one that, again, I guess it's because it's a little funnier than the other ones uh, that I'm going with for my last pick is the round mound of rebound for Charles Barkley. Round mound of rebound. Yeah, and it's again, it's like it's poetic and but it's also funny. It didn't quite apply to him in at certain times in his career cuz he lost weight. But what better way to describe a guy who was not very tall and was portly but was an incredible rebounder than the round mound of rebound. <laughs> Just it's incredibly fitting and is incredibly memorable. And I think in the world of basketball nicknames, you know, one I almost went with, which isn't, I didn't go with it ultimately because it's not that well known, but Celt, uh, guys in the Celtics in the 80s used to call Kevin McHale the black hole. 
because he shot so often <laughs> that when you threw the ball to him, it never came back, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, but of all those NBA, I'm using the round mound of rebound to stand in for for the the NBA's just incredible tradition of of nickname giving. Um, how, how do you think they came up with that? By the way, I don't know. I, I mean, was I there somebody the there like with? I'll bet it was a. I'm. I. I don't know. It's one of those ones that you know, like the truth was given to Paul Pierce by Shaq, I believe. There was. It was like after a game, and I think Shaq was like, "Man, Paul Pierce, that guy's the truth," which is the best way to get a nickname is from another great player. Yes, um, absolutely. And you know, like the. I think Kenny Smith gave Sean Marion the Matrix, which is also amazing. Um, so that those are. I hope it was from a, another player, but I, I could have been a sports writer. I really don't know. But um, again, I, I just think the NBA, if you look at like, if, if you made a list of the 100 best nicknames in sports history, I'll bet 50 of them would be from the NBA. Well, it's funny because there are a few that, that I wrote down um, that you didn't even mention from the NBA. Um, the Iceman, which sure. to me was very, very close to making my list, George Gervin. And one that was even closer to making my list was uh, The Microwave when Vinnie Johnson. Amazing. Th- I've, th- it's, it's such an amazing nickname. No player... That that was the perfect fit of player and nickname. Yeah. Because Vinnie Johnson would come into a game and he would score like 14 points in like nine seconds. And then he'd be out. I mean, he was the mic. Whoever came up with that, genius. Incredibly Absolute genius. genius. Yeah. Um, you know, my another one that I love that, that it totally fits the player, not from the NBA, is Megatron. I think Megatron, Megatron. is the, the, easily the best NFL nickname right now. Because that oh, guy absolutely. Is so it's the best dominant. nickname in sports he's, right now. He's a gigantic robot who, <laughs> who no one can stop. It's amazing. Did we make a mistake leaving Pistol Pete out? Maybe. I mean, there's some old classic ones. You know, Pistol Pete and the Iceman, I think, are, are generally pretty great. Um, by the way, it just occurred to me right now that if any defensive back ever shuts down Calvin Johnson in a playoff game or something, that defensive back should start calling himself Optimus Prime. I think that's clear, right? <laughs> I don't know if, like, Darrell Revis ever shut down Megatron. He should just start calling himself Optimus Prime because he's the only person well, who can stop Megatron. And we, which would be awesome because Revis Island was a terrible nickname. Revis so, I mean, terrible. They, they, yeah, I agree. Terrible. I totally agree. It's, uh, it's, it's like, I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. It didn't work. It did not work. I, I think it's funny because Megatron, to me, you, you were mentioning that. As I was looking forward, I really wanted to get some players, current players, um, and there aren't many. I mean, the truth yeah. is good, and 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 there's a few, you know. Now that that Ocho Cinco's out, and there's some other kind of you know crazy, crazy ones out there. This is we're we're in a we're in a low we're in low tide with nicknames yeah. at the moment. Would you agree? I think it's honestly in the NBA. I think it's because like Shaq retired. I think <laughs> I think look, well, Shaq changes nickname every year, you know, and then he also gave other people nicknames. Like I, he's he's there's a nickname gap in the NBA right now. Why? Why doesn't like Turner do that? Like give like the you know every every time he's on, just have uh, Shaq. Oh, Shaq nickname hour. Just yeah, him, just they eat, that's it. I'm I'm just nicknaming somebody today. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Well, we did it. We kept it to a just an hour. We kept it to just an hour, and and of course it only broke down like three times during the process. So awesome! <laughs> Thank you so much, and and uh, hopefully I'll be able to get this machine going. We can do this again. That right, sounds good. Thanks for having me.